Well, it's more than half a year since I've caught up with Miles van der Moelen, our go-to guy when it comes to what's happening in the aviation sector. Miles is the founder and chief executive of Sem Air, my favorite airline, and uh, we will be finding out from him what's happening to traffic, why SAA is kind of not hitting the headlines in the way that it should, and getting more context so we know more. Miles, uh, you've been real busy, and I guess that's why it's taken us so long to do this catch-up, but I'm glad I've managed to, uh, well, not me, but Lucy's managed to nail you down to today. Good to see you. I suppose the, the best place to start is what's happening in the aviation market. I'm seeing that uh, they, they are getting, we can get better prices now by shopping around. Uh, it looks like perhaps capacity is, is growing a little. Uh, good to touch you again. It's been a, been a long time, as you pointed out, and uh, uh, yeah, it's been a busy year. Um, it never a dull moment in aviation, both domestically and and, and globally. Um, the uh, there's a lot of capacity that's returned to the South African market, and I think the uh, rate of recovery was was overestimated by some carriers. So um, perhaps too much capacity. Um, or, you know, I think a lot of people were looking at the the, the pre-COVID graph and expecting to get back there in this year. Um, but we seem to be quite well short still. How far are we from the pre-COVID era? There's a fairly broad range of statistics that um, you know are indicative and uh, surprisingly large differences between them. Um, the number that seems to make the most sense from from our assessment of the market is domestically about 77% of pre-COVID levels. Um, internationally, um, a bit higher. Into Joburg, about 85 were the numbers I've seen, and, and Cape Town's done particularly well. I believe that's stronger than, than, than COVID, uh, pre-COVID figures. So Cape Town is ahead of pre-COVID. That's interesting. It's a bit of a shift in the market. Interesting, but not unexpected. You know, we saw a lot of people leave Johannesburg um, for various reasons during that time, including you, of course. Um, and uh, the Western Cape was it went out of that. So um, over the last decade, a lot of economic mass moves to that Cape region. And I think that trend line is, is likely to continue. One of the things that I've discovered only after moving to the Western Cape is that quite a lot of your international flights, you still have to go through Johannesburg. Why would that be? I think most major carriers have a direct route into um, Cape Town. Some of them are still seasonal, but uh, I think just all, about all the big lanes are there. Joburg is still seen as the hub. You know, Cape Town, just geographically, it's, it's really the uh, last station on the line. Um, so Johannesburg does have better regional connectivity options if you want to travel to neighboring countries. A lot of that stuff st still comes through Joburg, whereas Cape Town would simply be a little bit further for that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it certainly has lost its dominant status that it had um, a, a decade ago. Miles, Semi is now number three in South Africa, or certainly was the last time we spoke. Are you still in that slot or moved up or down? I think we are still in that slot. There hasn't been a, a lot of shuffling. There's no new entrants since we last spoke, and I don't think there's anybody on the horizon. Um, the, the demise of Kome seems to be uh, permanent. There were some discussions about people buying in and, and resurrecting it, but I haven't heard anything recently. It doesn't mean it's not happening. It's just... Um, certainly isn't in the public domain. Um, Mango has, um, uh, that, that sale 
is, is, is not materialized, it seems. Um, there's some stuff in the, in the um, press about that. Um, so there's been um, more stability. Um, but uh, so I'm scared of my outlook notifications, as you are, is that they seem to have come back accidentally. Um, so we, we, we see all the carriers sort of growing their fleets. That, that includes SAA. Um, the, the, the direction and strategy of SAA has, has been a little bit opaque. Um, also, their financial performance has not been shared with the, um, with the public as it, as it should have. So we don't know exactly what's happening there, but uh, but you, it seemed that they are in the market um, at least uh, trying to grow. Perhaps we can start with SEME first and then move on to SAA. Over the past few years, you've been growing at breakneck speed. It, you've been adding uh, new li- uh, new airliners um, almost. Uh, it appeared at one point in time, certainly every year anyway. Has that stabilized a little now? Yeah, we're continuing to grow. Um, and uh, the, 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 that's our strategy of, of six months ago remains where we want to add an aircraft every two to three months uh, for, the, um, for the next couple of years, um, particularly in the larger regional class aircraft, so around about 100 seats. That's where the, the, the bulk of our growth is. Um, and we share that capacity between our scheduled network um, and our um, leasing operations, where we offer what's known as, as ACMI wet leasing. So we have aircraft based outside the country working for, for various reasons, either for, for regional airlines, we're as far away as Mongolia at the moment, believe it or not, um, NGO type operations and peacekeeping, that kind of stuff. So that's always been a strong line for us. So we balance the, um, the two revenue streams and the capacity, uh, added capacity goes to both. Um, but, you know, we always took a view that uh, in that pre-COVID phase that the South African airline industry was destroying value and eventually its, its date with commercial destiny would come. Um, and that arrived not at COVID, actually slightly before we started seeing it unravel. And we wanted to be positioned for what we saw as the next phase. And we, we, we still hold that view. So what are the routes within South Africa that are still expanding or areas where you are able to add more aircraft? So we are to most major centres at this point. Um, we haven't got a presence on Joburg, East London, um, and we just haven't got the capacity at the moment to add that. To, it's been our intention to to uh, add that out of Joburg and a few destinations out of Cape Town, including um, Cape Town, Port Elizabeth, increasing um, our density on on Cape Town, um, East London, um, and a, and a few other routes out of there. We also take a view that the Cape Town market is likely to grow. Um, consistently over the next period, and uh, we want to be positioned for that. So the same migration is having an impact on the airline industry. Yeah, huge. Um, not only uh, out of Cape Town, but a lot of our, our Western Cape destinations, um, we see commuter-type traffic. For example, Tettenberg Bay, a lot of people have moved there for lifestyle reasons, but there's not a lot of economic density there, and, and they're of an age where they still um, have a commercial footprint and travel a lot to um, a, a business centre. Um, so that's that's an important uh, sort of passenger line for us. So it's possible now to live in Plett or George or anywhere else, I guess, along the coast, um, um, Port Elizabeth, East London, uh, and of course Cape Town, and do quite a lot of work in Johannesburg, the old traditional hub, because the airlines are servicing it to that degree. Exactly. It's a lifestyle choice that a lot of people have made. So you know, a strong flow to the Garden Route era and um, the KZN era. Both of those have done particularly well out of it. 
Um, I think Cape Town's growth uh, over the last decade was, was so significant. It's um, probably got some big city traffic problems that it didn't have a decade or two about, uh, ago. Um, but if you go to the likes of George, it's a it's a quaint, well-run um, town, and, and um, you just have a big lifestyle bump when, they, when you move there. So people view that very positively and, and want that for their families. Um, but then again, still have a commercial footprint and, and want to travel to to a commercial hub. And you following clearly those those changes. But what about South African Airways? It was the giant in South Africa. It was bailed out by the us, we the taxpayers, many many times. Which of course must have been incredibly irritating if you happen to be competing with that subsidised airline. It doesn't appear as though those bailouts are going to continue into the future, and yet. The airline's supposed to have been sold, and it hasn't been. What's happening there, the insider's view? It's all very opaque, um, and we don't have much more than is in the public domain. Um, the sale, uh, you know, so two years into the, the, the supposed sale, and there's no progress. I saw something recently um, from the Minister of Public Enterprises saying that they want to reconsider the price they're selling at, which was a bit astounding. Um, so... I always questioned whether or not it was um, going to materialize and whether or not it was somewhat of a smokescreen to uh, allow them to continue with the business rescue process. Um, but but we just don't know. There's been over financial information out of SAA for some years. I saw recently how um, there was some pressure on Scopo to, to, for them to provide um, long outstanding financial info, but, uh, but it's all very opaque. Um, they are active in the market. They are trying to release aircraft again. They are a much smaller airline than they used to be. I think pre-business um, rescue, they were around about 45 to 50 aircraft. Um, now they're sub-10. Um, There's a very, very different operation fundamentally. And I think a, a large portion of the market has moved on. The international, um, the long-haul routes that they had, the, that capacity has been provided by, by other carriers. Um, and the regional network they had, which they were very strong on, that too has, has moved to other carriers. So... It's a very different landscape for them, um, and uh, any significant comeback. I mean, I, I think the prospects of returning to the, the, the former significance is, is, is limited. Um, but at the same time, we do see a lot of political support for it, and I, I think that'll continue into the future. Um, my personal and 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 profound and substantiated view is that they are still receiving external funding, um, because uh, it's the only way they could keep the wheels turning. But uh, we're going to base it on other than just a, a gut feel, I guess. We've seen nothing yet in the national accounts of money going to uh, South African Airways. But I guess there have been so so many bailouts that there might still be bits and pieces there. We, we did in the, in the last phase see um, non-disclosure items. So money was transferred from Transnet to SAA on some basis. Um, and it came out well after the fact. So... We have seen in the past that um, it hasn't been completely transparent um, as it should be. That's interesting. And Transnet is now looking for more money, billions and billions, I think over $100 billion that it's looking for. Some of that could find its way to South African Airways as well, as you say, very opaque. What, what is the story about Brazil? Because if you stand on the outside, we have the BRICS event, and it's a little bit like the politicians saying, well, now we need to open a, a route to one of our BRICS partners. That's what it looks like from the outside. But from inside, is there a commercial viability in having a, a connection between South Africa and Brazil? 
I'm not privy to the rationale of why that route was first. Obviously, they were very vocal about their intention to open a, a long-haul route. Um, I guess one of the reasons why Brazil may have been attractive is because there's really no connectivity with South America at all um, from South Africa. There's no alternate carrier. I think out of Angola, TARG might fly uh, to Brazil. Um, so that may have been something that was attractive, whereas if you look at the US, the United and Delta have, have provided a lot of capacity. I mean, they're both effectively double daily into South Africa. Europe, there's an enormous amount of capacity that's been provided. And, and to compete against that, um, you know, it wouldn't be easy. Uh, I would have thought that Perth would have been high on the list because the moment you either need to really travel via the Middle East or, or via Sydney, which is a, which is a long way past, um, and there's an enormous South African community there, but um, the decision was was result. And now, again, how do we how do we actually make sense of that? Given that South African Airways is in the process of being sold, as far as we know, no more bailouts from government. It appears to be very overstaffed. It appears to have relatively few airlines a- a- aircraft. So now it's opening a new route to Brazil. I, I, I'm just battling as a as a kind of non-insider to understand what's going on there. Well, as an insider, I, I battle as, as well. Um, you know, traditionally, the, the, the airline has made decisions largely on, on political uh, grounds. Um, we've seen that, and, and it's quite likely that this, this is one of those as well, I guess. Um, but uh, it's early days for that route, so you know, it would be difficult to assess whether or not um, they'll get the following that, that they hope to need to, in order to make it sustainable. Um, but uh, it will be an expensive route to run, so um, certainly the stakes are high. Um, also, you mentioned about how you know the, the, there's no further bailouts. I think every bailout that they've received has come with the phrase that this is the last one. So um, I'm not sure why the last one would be any different. Um, I, I don't see that um, it can operate in its current form without artificial funding um, from the state, realistically. Um, and if, if the, the, the buyer actually you know, closes on the sale definitely from them. Interesting stuff. I, I suppose you, when you just think about what's, what the politicians do to our national treasury, uh, we have a, we had a COVID grant, if you recall, which costs 33 billion rand a year from taxpayers, almost two percentage points of, of uh, VAT. And that should have been for the emergency of COVID. Well, COVID's over, but the grant continues. So it's it's one of those things, and the ANC says, well, they can't uh, stop the grant, otherwise they'll lose a lot of votes. So clearly a political decision, and it appears as though what you've said to us now, South African Airways as well. But when you're operating in this market, Miles, how do you, how, how do you structure your business given that you've got the possibility of a state-owned or new, new-owned airline uh, that used to be the dominant player coming back in and potentially with some kind of artificial support continuing into the future. Look, we're still in the honeymoon period because if you consider the pre-COVID period, it wasn't just SAA with, with 40-odd aeroplanes. It also was Mango um, in the low-cost space. It was also SA Express um, on the route directly competing against us in the regional space. So the total number uh, of seats flown um, was very high. And at that time, Airlink was um, nestled very tightly under the umbrella of SAA and operating um, or selling seats on their code. So, um, you know, that was, a, that was the real big monster that, that we were competing against. 
So SA with sub-10 aeroplanes um, is, is a playing field that is, you know, may, may not be completely level, but certainly is far more favorable than what we, the headwinds we pushed it up against before. And so where does SEME go from here? Uh, we consolidate in in this space. You, you know, we want to see the global market consolidate. Um, there's still a lot of concerns about uh, deep recession in in, in the um, Western world. Um, we, you know, aviation is 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 an odd game because you need to make uh, long term decisions on on with the market makes very short term decisions. Um, but we just want to see the market stabilize um, domestically and and regionally. And continue with a with a with a managed growth strategy that we we've maintained for the last couple of years. Um, we uh, don't think it's the time to make any bold moves. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of crew shortages around the world. Seeing a lot of very high rates of immigration from South Africa as as the concerns grow about the direction. So uh, you know, we're worried about things like that hampering our progress in the future. And uh, that those mitigations are where a lot of our attentions go. We've heard from um, construction companies, for instance, that they worried about the immigration of engineers. So the skills um, from this country that are being lost elsewhere. You would have thought that airline pilots, who are also highly skilled, uh, would be pretty mobile around the world. Are you seeing that happening here? Yeah, we're seeing very high rates of departure um, and a lot of the European carriers during COVID, a, a lot of the um, old airline pilots retired um, and didn't return to the industry. So now we're seeing um, in, in, in the Western world, uh, flight numbers returning to, to not far from those levels. Um, there's a shortage of crew. Um, and just recently, for example, Ryanair uh, came to South Africa for a roadshow. I know they've taken a significant number of crew. Also, these markets, you know, if you look at the number of pilots in a place like the US versus South Africa, and if they, they could take every single pine from South Africa and would hardly make a dent in um, uh, their numbers simply because their market is so enormous. Um, so, yeah, uh, there's a very high rate of, of, of um, immigration uh, for, in all uh, disciplines in aviation. So it's not just pilots. We've seen engineers looking abroad. Everybody is is, is looking at whether or not um, South Africa is a place they, that they see themselves um, retiring in. And uh, a lot of them are not coming to a positive conclusion. And what about the inflow of new talent in South or South African bred talent? We're not you know, people that are acquiring um, skills are normally acquiring them with an eye to leaving. That's what we're seeing. So we're not seeing a very high rate of, of patriotic South Africans, you know, develop, developing themselves to build a better South Africa. They they're looking quite inwardly in, in our experience and saying, you know, when I have this, I'm creating an opportunity for myself to to have a better life um, outside, outside of the country. How do you compete? How do you meet that challenge from a semi perspective? Well, it is difficult. And the guys that hit hardest are the, are the uh, charter market guys, where um, those crew are, are normally looking for um, airline style um, employment. Um, so, so we all claw from 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 that market, and they're they quite desperately short. But there's not really a lot you can do in the in the long run. My guess, what you end up with is is, is, a, is an expat type uh, model where we see which we see across Africa, where the only way you can get people to to stay is by throwing um, uh, higher salaries at them than they could get in the, in a primary market. We aren't there yet, but I, I think in the next decade we might well get there. What we are seeing is is that the economic state of the country has probably had an effect on those passenger numbers. So the lower overall um, the smaller overall market. 
um, does help in in the other direction because uh, the overall number required is a little lower than it was now um, for for crew engineers or or personnel in aviation, and it is a, a real concern for us. Lars van der Merlin is the founder and chief executive of Seme. I'm Alec Hogg from Business News.com. 